Right, so the uh, the flat is back, and so we decided to do another podcast. James, are you happy that the flat's back? Uh, in a word, yes. <laughs> it's been a it's been a long winter, but uh, it's uh, it's back now, so it's all good. Ready for that beautiful ground, those high class pedigrees, those those nice good jockeys. Starting off at Doncaster. Yeah, some really good racing, actually. I mean, yeah. I know we won't be touching on it, but obviously over in Maidan, there's some, some good stuff as well. But, yeah. And, and Great Scott is one of the favourites, or the favourite, for the Dubai World Cup. A horse that I was laughed at on this podcast two years ago for saying that he'd win a Group 1. Um, a, a Group 1 on turf. He hasn't won it yet, so <laughs> and he probably won't. So it's on dirt. It's on dirt. So don't know if that counts. I think I said Great Scott will definitely win a Group One on heavy ground. Heavy was ground, the... yeah, yeah. I think that was the the call. Yeah. So the Lincoln. I do like the Lincoln, James. Who do you think is the best trainer at the Lincoln meeting? In terms of ah, just. General performance on one of my weird graphs. Who do you think? Who do you think are the good trainers at the Lincoln? Um, well, we have spoken, so I would guess from what you've been saying all week, something like Richard Fahey. Fahey's up there, yeah. Anyone else? Um, in more recent times, I know Roger Varian's had um, a few winners in the sort of in a better quality races. Yeah. Um, Haggis, William Haggis. Oh. Up there. It's it's like you don't even need a spreadsheet. Jesus Christ! It's just in the in the brain. Who do you think is a a bad trainer for the Lincoln meeting? <laughs> oh, I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, oh, very bad. Very bad. Obviously disagree, and I'm not I'm not even going to say the name because I disagree so much. John Gosden, very bad. <laughs> terrible record terrible record well below expectation Allaire all of his runners Allaire particularly in Maidens yeah there should be a caveat on that because I did actually when you said he has a bad record and, and sent me over the list I went through them all and I think I think it was more than half of the runners were Maidens now normally John Gosden probably wouldn't have them as forward, or especially for for the first run, but especially at this time of the season. So, I thought that was a bit of a, I don't know, I don't know, it wasn't really a, a fair stat for for Johnny G. But uh, I mean, definitely, I'd be definitely opposing any Gosden runners in the maidens. Let's put it that way. Which, which, which he's got one. Yeah, yeah, and he's got the boy on it. So I quite fancy it as well. Oof, definitely doesn't win. It's in my, it's in my tracker. Definitely doesn't win. Ooh, I don't know. Here you go. Here's a nice trainer chat. Here's the good. Here's the good trainers at the uh, at the Lincoln meeting. Wins above expectation market and wins above average based on field size. Um, look at that. Saeed's out on the the right and top right hand corner. Um, Charlie Appleby's also like well up. So I would just summarise that as Godolphin. There seems to be some sort of Godolphin thing going on at the uh, Lincoln meeting. So obviously who does whoever does the race planning or the race targeting for, for Godolphin um, likes it. 
Um, and it really does cut across. Like Sarua has done decently at it, fairly small sample size. Appleby's done done decent at the meeting, fairly small sample size, but some sort of Godolphin dynamics going on. You said Varian. Yeah, Varian's just generally good at Doncaster, but he's he's been pretty strong at this meeting in the last five or six years. You said Haggis also been very good at this uh, meeting in the last uh, few years. Brian Meehan might be a little bit of a sneaky one that might uh, net some profit going under the radar. Bill Turner, um, I, th I think he won the Brockles be like four years in a row or something, like no one's ever heard of him, but um, very, very shrewd at placing a two-year-old in this meeting between 2005 and 2012 or something. Um, I think he's got another one this year. I'm not sure I could back him in the current kind of trainer stakes, but Bill Turner's done well traditionally at the uh, the Lincoln meeting. And then you've got others like Botty, but Fahey, very, very good, big outperformance that we'll talk about. And down the bottom, Johnny G, big underperformance. I mean, no surprise that he's over bet, but also he's not even beating normal expectation based on the number of runners that he's had. So very, very poor. Um, there, okay, charts. There's the win impact values chart for the meeting. Fahi, very good. Hannon, very good. This is the, these are the bad trainers on win, win impact value for the meeting. A couple I would like to highlight because they've got some fancied runners. Kevin Ryan looks pretty rank at the meeting, to be honest with you. One from 61, um, a width of 0 0.24. It's not great, so I wouldn't be too much on the um, Kevin Ryan runners. Carl Burke, also pretty awful as well, one from 42, win impact value of 0.34, so I'd be swerving them as well. There's This is interesting when it gets really interesting about Johnny G, and of course it makes sense because his runners are really fancy, but he's, he's second on percentage of rivals beaten squared. So on one metric, it looks like he has, or two metrics, it looks like he has a shocking meeting. And then on this metric, it looks like he has a, a good meeting or he's the best of the current trainers at the meeting. So therein lies the dilemma of statistics. So on rivals beaten squared, he's very high. Of course, that's because his runners are normally some of the higher class runners in, in the fields and they're normally the shorter prices. But um. Yeah, that yeah, there's a bit. I'm I'm torn to be honest with Johnny G. I don't know what to make of it, but I'll just oppose him anyway because the first two stats said Jed O'Keefe with some nice performance there. Perhaps an underperformance on the wins, which is something to take note of. One from twenty-one, four percent win percentage, but very high on rivals beaten. So maybe like they've been hitting the frame, but not. I don't know due to luck, due to variance, not been a. Not been coming home in front, so you never know. Jed might have a breakout at a, a period of time. Um, there's rank trainers, trainers on rivals beaten: Declan Carroll, Roof Carr, McEasterby, Trotter Nichols. Don't be backing any of them. Ah, there we go. There's Fahey. Fahey's absolutely massive outperformance against the market and against the general expectation of his runners. I've actually not really seen a chart like that. It's it's absolutely insane. Like he's 
he's over double expectation versus the market. Um, so there you go. Fahey. Pretty is, there any outli- is there any outliers in that, though? Or is that just how it is? What, what on price? I mean, the, yeah, there is. I'll show you on the next. There's like a load of big spike handicap winners. But if you look at it over time, look, they're, they're the runs on the bottom. And yeah. I don't put I don't put years on this chart because years give you a bit of a I don't know there's like some psychological filter that make you think oh well, he didn't make a profit last year so he's no good but this is just the general rolling cumulative performance at the meeting it's just insane I'll be honest with you so Fahi absolutely going for it there are big spikes though like you'll see it on the next slide and actually where the where the gold is, is Fahi in handicaps. Um, there's one we both like, actually, in the non-handicap race, but um, this is Fahi in the uh, the handicaps at the Lincoln meeting, and you can just see the, uh, the P&L spikes. I mean, there are some terrible years as well, like 2016 and 2017, you'd have abandoned it after going minus 14 and minus 21, um, and you were minus nine last year. But again, I'm, I'm starting to get more drawn to just this, longer term graph at these meetings just because it gives you more idea of sample size like a sample size of 13 or 10 is not telling you out and i'd rather take the sample size of a 100 or 130 um which still ain't great but you know but farhi and handicaps i'm going to be backing all richard farhi horses in handicaps so there you go hopefully he's got that many on the saturday <laughs> Sunday as well, though. Sunday, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get decks tomorrow for that. There you go. There's your boy, Roger. Um, it's funny because I mean, big outperformance, big breakout performance in 2011, and then just kind of in the kind of round. But if you look at like the wins versus the expected wins in the market, just generally chunking away obviously they don't leave the money behind they're obviously backing them when they know they're going to win but um he's won the mile listed race like three out of the last four years hasn't he yeah he's very he's just good at donny in general he's very good at the meeting yeah. so varian makes it in that's gonna i'm gonna give away all the Cheltenham money this weekend by the way <laughs> yeah these um this methodology these systems i suppose it's a, a micro system for like a little meeting like this don't have <laughs> they're not going to work as well as cheltenham cheltenham's just it's sort of just too easy in a way really this is this is why i'm just terrible for the, like the rest of the entire horse racing season <laughs> and just come alive at cheltenham um <laughs> Because of the big fields, basically, and because of the randomness in the betting markets. And um, just because you've got such a better population coming over. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you just try and copy the back all Irish horses angle and make it on every meeting, and then they just lose money until Cheltenham next year. <laughs> oh, there he is. He's coming for you. He's coming for you on the yacht. He's going to drag you out the yacht. going to take you back to Dubai. Pretty good as well. Jesus. Jake Moe. Jake Moe's coming for here at the... Up, uh, up your daughters. He's coming for you. Not getting out of the house. I should should comment I'm nowhere near as drunk as the last podcast, so I'm actually... I'm, I'm fine <laughs> this time. Last time, I watched it back. Oh, my God. It was bad. 
You're embarrassed about your uh, use of language, weren't you? Oh, that, I actually was, yeah. yeah. There you go, Shane Moore, right? I mean, big breakout year 2016, but generally uh, chunking away the Godolphin boys, so they've made it in. Oof. A new, a new theme. What do you, you, like, you, like, you like this one, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I do like this one. What do you think about this theme? Yeah, yeah. The power of new market. Again, it's just a microcosm of populations, Irish horses into English horses, new market horses into Yorkshire horses. So this is a this is a good thing. Doncaster Lincoln meeting runners coming from a big flat festival. What does that mean? So runners that come at the Lincoln meeting having run at a, like a big focus meeting like at the back end, say, of the, the flat season, the season before. And these are the records. And you can see I direct your attention to the middle of the screen or, like, well, the top half of the, the middle of the screen. Um, particularly, I mean, ignore Newmarket July just because it's a small sample, but the Newmarket two-day meeting at the end of October, start of November, and the Cambridgeshire meeting. And look at the dominance in terms of kind of win impact values there and also rivals beaten there um, and then of course you've also got the weird sample about new market july but basically just big power coming from a big new market festival and then coming to the lincoln um, which makes sense doesn't it because the the best trainers are in new market the best facilities are in new market they're running their better horses at the end of the season in Newmarket, particularly their late three-year-olds. They're running at the bigger festivals in Newmarket, the three-year-olds that should make in a better four-year-olds. And then the first opportunity they really get to come back is the Lincoln meeting at Donny. So very powerful, the Newmarket trainers and also coming from a run at a Newmarket festival. I think Adayab did that. Um, yeah, he ran in the Silver Cambridgeshire. Yeah, and did Ogsair do that as well? No, he ran at Kempton before. Another one who did that as well. It was a Dave and someone else. I can't remember. There you go. There's the record year by year. Um, runners coming from a Newmarket Festival meeting to the Doncaster Lincoln. You're generally either just kicking your heels around or you're making good money. Um, on level stakes so again if the if the gods shine down on us we're doing all right so back all runners from new market festivals come in to donny there you go we'll give the slides a rest i've got loads more <laughs> exciting should we, you know, I hate tipping podcasts now, so we don't yeah. talk by race, but should we talk race by race? Or we can either go like race by race, like Brocklesby and then others, or do you just want to give us some form, give us some general form? Oh, um, well, if, you, if you've if you got more slides, I suppose we could look at a couple of races and then go back into them. Yeah, yeah let's look at a couple of races. Anything in the, in the Brocklesby? No. I mean, come on. The first two-year-old race of the year, I don't really bother with two-year-old races anyway, but especially not this one. I haven't even looked at it. I'll be, uh, I can tell you quickly who I'll be backing. I'll be backing Forca Brazil 
um, in that, and also Makalu, um, even though that's a Kevin Ryan horse who has a bad record at the meeting. First reason, I like George Buffy a lot. I think he's doing really well, and I think he's a bit ahead of the market. He's a good trainer to follow. We know because he bought Songkran, and we want to buy Songkran, and he's won five races with Songkran. And he also got, like, a stone off it without it running for some miraculous reason. Mm. It was, like, rated in the mid-70s, and then it turned up a year off track and turned, it was, like, running off 61. That's how it was able to... I mean, it's, it's, it's like, rated in the 90s now. But, yeah, that was that was one we had on our list to buy, wasn't it? But it was a bit too expensive. I think it was 20 grand, so... Yeah. Buffy's very good. Um... I do like Kevin Ryan in general with two-year-olds. Um, as I said, maybe they're not that ready for this meeting, but I'll still back them because it doesn't matter because it's only a point and a point is nothing. Yeah. So that's the Brocklesby. Um, yeah, Brocklesby's not really your thing. Doncaster Miles a bit your, more your thing. Yeah, well, this is the one we like the same horse. Um, you like it. I mean, to be fair, there's a few that you might, might like in this one. Yeah, there's many. Um, but yeah, the one I like, who's part of your Richard Fahey angle, is Space Traveller. And I just think he's, I mean, he's potentially just a, a very marginal, marginal class above these. Obviously, this is only a listed race. He's a Group 2 winner, he's a Group 3 winner. Um, and he's running, he's run with credit in Group 1s as well. And I'm just, I mean, I'm not in love with the top of the market. Mo- I mean, Montavum is a horse I loved last year and I was all over him for a couple of handicaps. But I mean, he he ran in a, I think it was a listed race uh, on his last start of last season. No, um, oh, no, sorry, he ran in the Cambridgeshire, but he was tried in listed company, came second. And it wasn't the strongest of races. It was, it was all right, listed race, but... He came second anyway. So he's questionable at the level. Um, the uh, top rank is definitely a horse on the up. And he, he had some really nice performances last year. But he's carrying a £5 penalty. And so that, that that would put me off him. Do you know there's a horse in here that one of our horses has beaten? Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. It, it's 78 rated. I don't know what the hell it's doing in this race. Um, striding edge, um, that you know, the, the race Forrest got done on the line, yeah. Striding edge was behind Forrest, and now he's running in this, but he's only rated 78, so he's about 200 to one. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> back to the top of the market. I, I bounced the blues again, just going against it on strength of race. Like, she she came second, um, in a Phillies listed race. Buying Cloak of Spirits, and I just, and then you had in third, you had 92 rated um, Tomorrow's Dream. In fourth was the 86 rated Modern Millie, and I just don't, don't trust sort of listed Phillies races anyway. So I think she's a bit of a rancid price. I, I'm tempted to lay her, to be honest. Um, Fiber of Jazz is the variant horse. Obviously, he's, has has a really good recent record in this. I think he's won three of the last four, and he. He's dropping back to a mile. He's been running over ten furlongs. I don't know if you remember, but he he went off um he went off favourite for the winter derby at Lingfield. Obviously that's over ten furlongs. Dropping back to eight. 
Uh, and I'd be slightly worried if you look at the sectionals on that race. It was very slowly ran, and Forrester Dean nicked it from the front. But him and Felix, uh, I mean, they're good horses and they're good 10 furlong horses, but they totally outpaced Farber of Jazz. So him dropping back to a mile in what is probably a stronger race puts me off him. Also, he's only ran once on turf. That's not really a negative, but that again was that they started him off over 10 furlongs. So I'm not really sure about that. He, he's won he won three pretty poor races before going into that winter derby, and he did he did run well, and he is well bred, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but I think this is a bit of a step up. Um, Juan Helcano, he he was fifth in the Guineas, but it's actually quite pleased. He said Kevin Ryan's got a bad uh, record at this meeting because it, he's been gelded. Um, and he comes back and he drops in trip and he is he is interesting but I'm I'm glad that you've put him another negative there just to go with some negatives I had uh, so yeah and then that's sort of ticking through the the main market rivals and you come to Space Traveller um, obviously he won the the jersey as a three year old beating Space Blues who's an absolute top class horse now uh, over seven furlongs he's won a group two over a mile he ran. He hit, He went to the um, Breeders' Cup in 2019 and absolutely hated the track, uh, the Breeders' Cup mile he ran in. He still managed to. I mean, he finished eight, but he was only about four lengths off the winner. And you know, I mean, this is like a, this is a Breeders' Cup Group One. Um, that's like if you watch the race back, um, he, it's really sharp bend, and he just he just wasn't enjoying it at all, and got shuffled back, and then sort of ran well against the straight so I think the straight course definitely suits him better he must have had some issues last year because he only ran once and that was in the Queen Anne at Royal Ascot he finished sixth uh, in the race at Circus Maximus run but again um, yeah, I mean he was ahead of Muhafa who did find a lot of traffic but he was still ahead of him head of Scardu head of Fox Chairman head of Duke of Hazard like he was ahead of good horses Um and I just think this is obviously he's dropping down in class here. Uh, I was actually watching some Richard Fahey from last year saying how uh, he's quite an easy horse to get ready. Um, and I just think that Fahey, because he missed all of last year, he might have thought, right, we're getting ready early. Uh, he likes to target this meeting. He has, doesn't have a penalty, even though he's a Group 2 winner, because um, obviously uh, that was in 2019. Uh, and yeah, and I just think he's, he's 11 to 2 in places. I think he's just a bit of a. Bit of a naughty each way, bet to be honest. At eleven to two. I backed him earlier in the week at five to one. I'm that shrewd. Yeah, well, so did I actually. <laughs> <laughs> so I would definitely back him at eleven to two. Uh, very, very shrewd. Um, on the old angles, uh, last race at a new market festival, bounce the blues. Um, trainers, um, Varian, father of jazz, trainers, haggis. Montatham, last race at a Newmarket Festival. Montatham, double stake on Montatham. He ran terribly, though. Yeah, well, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Just the power of Newmarket, isn't it? Um, last race, Newmarket Festival, top rank. So I'll be batting Father of Jazz, Montatham, and top rank in that. So that's three off. There's loss immediately. There you go. That'd be this, good. Fun. This, this is the problem with backing sort of systems in these type of races because you're just not going to get an outlier. 
or very, very rarely. Whereas the Cheltenham handicaps, mm-hmm. you probably will. He's got to turn over the money. Yeah, yeah. Turn well, over enough money. Doesn't matter. Doesn't I mean, matter. to be fair, if Sky Traveller wins, you might come out even. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that's when I'm not backing like officially on systems because it's not it's a non handicap. Right. So not... Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I back that personally. So yeah. I back that like. It's also, I mean, ratings don't really mean anything in this kind of race because a listed race, but he's top rated by two pounds. There you go. The horse that's second rated has got a five pound penalty. So I don't know, man. It's the 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 ground's pretty dry. There's not much. I don't think there's any rain forecast. There's maybe a tiny bit tomorrow morning. It's going to be decent ground. The ground looks very dry. Yeah, it's <laughs> very yeah. Dry. But he'll 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 like a firm surface. So there we go. Space. Yeah, space traveller. Yeah. What about uh, the oh. two thirty five? Yeah. GSI. Get Just, stuck yeah. in. <laughs> he was right though, wasn't he? Mm. He knew. Jesus, he knew. <laughs> he so knew. Jesus. What about the uh, spring mile handicap? Yeah, this is um. It's an interesting race, isn't it? Um, I'm backing a lot of horses here. Yeah, well, yeah, you're going to be on Dubai Souk for sure. The Godolphin runner. Oh, yeah, of course. You've got Dr. Lincoln, the Godolphin, Dubai's actually, and I've got him in many other systems as well. That's a quadruple stake on Dubai Souk. So that would be a good result for me. Wow. He's been gelded. He's a Sarua horse. He's getting the uh, head gear on. It's the Lincoln meeting for good he old. The head gear. The, huh? He hasn't got any head gear on. Maybe the head gear's coming off then, is it? Well, he has, yeah, maybe, yeah. He hasn't yeah. got any on. So. He's it. Oh, yeah, the visor's coming off. Mm. Mm, the head gear coming off. Yeah, it's a head gear system, but the visor is coming off, which is right. also, by the way, head gear coming off is also as good as head gear coming out. <laughs> but don't tell anyone. <laughs> I would um one thing I would say as well for all these good orphan horses, I after after watching one of their um stable tours and seeing the facility that they've got, never ever worry about a good orphan horse coming off a brick. I think they have a good record anyway, I haven't got the stats, but Jesus Christ, like just never worry about them coming off a brick because they're just it's ridiculous the stuff they can do. Not living in a field. Yeah, better than yeah, better than living in the field. Um, do you want to go through who you're backing, and then I'll tell you who oh, I'm. Go on, man. I mean, should I only tell you the official ones? Yeah, because yeah, the, just official. The other one's the secret. Um, five handicaps. Um, amazing Mont. Amazing Mont. Yeah, <laughs> amazing Mont. Amazing Mont's there. Yeah, he's there. Um. Doncaster, Lincoln, De Golfin, Dubai, Souk. Um, they're the only two official ones, and there's a couple right. floating around. That's fair enough. Um, yeah, so I, I, I fancy. I, I, I'm interested in two. I back two actually. When Sky Bet went seven places, and I've got a fresh account, I started hitting it, <laughs> hitting it early. Um, yeah, first one I like is acquitted for Hugo Palmer. Um, now, I know you don't like form, Tom, but I'm going to read out some form for you. That but, you what I, but what I do like is Hugo Palmer with the first time gelding. Oh, right. Well, I mean, that was, I'll come to that. But, so, but, but 
very powerful. Very nice. Mm. So, so acquitted uh, as a two-year-old. He actually ran um, in a novice race at Newbury uh, under a penalty. So he was given six pound away. In second, you had a horse called Waylaid, who's a varying horse who we haven't actually seen much since, but was second to English King um, in one of his uh, maidens. And then in third place, behind Waylaid, you had a horse, a certain horse called Mishrick. Don't know if you've heard of that one. Um, not a bad horse. Uh, in fourth was Favourite Moon. Again, not a bad horse. Um, and the rest of them, not so great in that race. But yeah, so he beat Mishriff, uh, giving him six pounds. He was also um, he was also fourth at Newbury behind Tritonic. Remember Tritonic in the uh, Triumph? Well, he was a 100-rated flat horse before then. Um should have stayed on the flat. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, so that was when he was a two-year-old. So obviously very promising two-year-old career. Three runs, two wins. Um, came out as a three-year-old. Obviously we had the coronavirus and all that stuff. But Newcastle, I do remember Newcastle had quite a few meetings at the start of June. Because it was one of the one of the um, tracks that could sort of cope with it. Came up against a little known, well, well-known horse called Palace Pier. Um Actually, got heavily backed against Palace Pier. Went off two to one. Palace Pier went off eleven to ten, off a mark of ninety eight. Put that into perspective. Um, gave him a hell of a race until about the last furlong, and then Palace Pier just pulled away from him. Um, obviously, Palace Pier went on to win multiple. He won two Group Ones, um, and looks a real superstar, like hundred and. What's he rated? 120 or something? 126. Um, so, yeah, so obviously that's pretty solid form as well. Um, he then came out with Royal Ascot. Um, they actually put him up to 10 furlongs and he just ran terribly, came last, was eased. Obviously, something wrong. Um, and then we didn't, and then we saw him next month, July. Again, he got he got pretty well back, to be fair, considering he was in a really strong handicap, the Coral Challenge, that was won by Montatham. And you had Dark Vision in second. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was a really, really good handicap. Those two horses had just come first and second at Royal Ascot. And again, um, we came last. Uh, and so clearly there must have been something wrong with the horse because he, he hasn't been seen since um, until today, uh, until this entry. And I just think the interesting thing, obviously, as you say, he's been gelded. He's had this time off. There's clearly he took the time with him. I've read in um, a stable tour from last year that uh, it was something like, um, yeah, he's a really nice horse, blah, 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 blah. He's rated 89 at the moment. He's a good deal better than that. Well, he's only rated 91 now. And obviously, now he's a four-year-old. Um, it actually reminds me, <laughs> just going to get my trumpet out and dust it off for the flat season. Um, I tipped a horse of Hugo Pounds called Set Piece. Um, for a race at Kempton that is coming off a, a long layoff who'd been gelded and it was quite a big price. Um and he and he came out and won. And this just reminds me of it. And the fact that he's had James Doyle booked up all week suggests to me that right, he tends to put James Doyle on his on his better horses, has a good record for him. And I just think they might have got this horse right at home uh, and they're ready to uh, to kick on with him now. And I think off a mark of 91, um, I think this race could 
could really suit. And if if he's if they've got him back, I think he's uh, going to have a yeah, a very good chance. Strong case, lovely strong case. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, he's a double hit for me. It's um, Palmer with the gelding's very good, and yeah. also just the the general power of Newmarket coming into Yorkshire. So there you go, some form and a couple of stats pointers. So acquitted might be the actual official podcast pit then. So, yeah, I, you know, I've started up a free tipping group for April. I'm not charging this month. And I've already tipped a quid. <laughs> I, think a, I think he's got a cracking chance. Thanks for plugging that. Uh, yeah, well, it's free, so he's got to message me. Um, yeah, the other, I, do, I do like another horse in the race, so and he's a much bigger price. Um, a horse called Interfaith for the Frenchman, David Munusier, um, who's a trainer that I, I really rate, actually. I'm backing that as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Handicap trainers, David Minouche, yeah. He, I think he's a really good trainer, David He's Minouche. very good. He's very good. He's like, he's, and he's, yeah, he's really good. I think, it, I think, don't quote me on this, but you might be able to look it up. I think if you backed all his runners last year blind, you would have been ended up up. Like, he's pretty good. Um, he's very good in handicaps. Very, very good. Yeah. Well, this, this horse is interesting. Um, and also... You tend to see with his horses, they do tend to improve with age. They do yeah, tend to, to get that. So this, this horse, um, my Intello, out of, um, I think it's like mid-80s rated uh, dam. Uh, so not amazing, but like pretty good enough. Um, he actually has form with Palace Pier as well, funnily enough, um, from a maiden uh, when he was a two-year-old. Um but it is is he, I think he's gone a little bit under the radar. He's like twenty five to one in places, um, because his last four runs have all been in France. Mm. Because he's a French bred, he qualifies for for their races. Um, so he's been running over there, and obviously I'm by no means a French form expert, far from it. But um, I had a look and I watched some of I watched some of his races. And um, this is a couple. He was second to a horse called Ziegfeld um, over at Dorville last August, trained by Andre Fabre. Uh, and that horse then came out and won a listed race and then was um, second to the Revenant, who obviously then came out and won uh, was it the QE2. Um, so obviously that is like really, really strong form. Um, and he was also second to a horse called Lupo Nero and he was ahead of a horse called Padron so Lupo Nero came out and won a listed race on its next start and Padron won a listed race um, literally two weeks ago in France Um, so his French form to my sort of untrained French form eye looks pretty strong Um, I do think that Manusia maybe thinks that he wants soft ground because he's been running on soft and heavy ground in France, but he does actually have form on, on decent ground back in England. He also has a very interesting run at Newmarket um, from July last year where he was sixth. But if you look at um, the sort of horse called Establish, 
uh, one, owned by the Spencers. Um, and then the second was Eastern World, who's favourite for Lincoln. But, Friend of the podcast. You are? Friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. Uh, third was Depends, depends which one, the Spencers or the Sheikh. Establishes owned by the Spencers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so a friend Sheikh of the is... podcast, yeah. Maybe yeah. Sheikh Moore is also a friend of the podcast. I doubt it. <laughs> um, Finest Sound, who went off favourite for the Britannia, was in third. Laser Show, I think it's rated over 100 now. Do you know what I mean? And Surf Dancer, who came out and won. Uh, what did he win? Like a listed race or something? Definitely improved plenty. Uh, yeah, he won a listed race. And then actually at the back, of it, at coming in 10th in last race was a horse called Hakiki. Um, yeah. Who will be coming on to no doubt at some point. So yeah, like I like his English form. I think the French form is is probably pretty good. He has got a five-pound claimer on called Reese Clutterback. Good, also good. Looks good to me. Very good, also good, yeah. Yeah, he's in good form as well. At least of his last nine rides, he's won three of them. Oh, big sample. Thank you for that. Yes, well, I'm just saying he's in good form, recent form. Great, recent, rather, very, very, very relative and predictive. <laughs> I'm just saying he's riding well, that's fine. Um, yeah, so I just I just think of the price. I think you can get 25s. He's a four-year-old, he's just been He's having his first run since being gelded as well. Um, he's definitely the the type that's interesting, and I think he's I think he's definitely overpriced. So they're the two I've backed with him there so far. Yeah, I mean I have to say Clutterbuck is is good, very oh. good. He's nice, some nice outperformance. I give you some minutiae stats that I uh, looked up while you were kind of talking, but um, last six seven years. 621 runs, 74 wins. Um, he's actually down on PL, minus 5.71 <laughs> to bet for SP from 600 run, 621 runs. But the biggest thing is expected wins 60 versus 74. So he's 14 wins above expectation. He's doing very well. He's um, plus 27 in the place market. But um, Again, the smaller sample sizes, so the subsets, but it does kind of tell you something. Like 2020, 18 wins, expected 10.42. 2019, 15 wins, expected 10.58. Um, so what you've got there is you've got an overperformance against a very, very sharp Betfair market. Like any, and it's like five wins. You say, oh, five wins, what's that? That's fucking big against the very sharp Betfair market. So Manusier is a very, very good trainer, or is a very under-recognized, still an under-recognized trainer by the market. Clutterbuck is also an under-recognized uh, jockey by the market as well. So I like that one. It's a good one, James. And also it's a bloody big price. And you're getting seven places on Skybet. So if yeah, you know. yeah. In a faith, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. And he's the right age. He's being gelded. Like there's, there's, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of interest there, I think. Yeah. What about the Lincoln at 310? There is one trainer who can't win called John Gosden, and you're going to tell us otherwise. Well, do you know what? That might be that, – that is true, actually. Do you know why? Why? Because this horse isn't trained by John Gosden. Trained by Thaddy Gosden. 
this song is this horse is trained by John Gosden and Thady Gosden. So, so yeah. So and I and I think I mean if you've seen Twitter recently, it's obvious that I'm on this horse. Um, but I, they, I think they are really going to to try to win this. Like it's the Lincoln wouldn't be a race on the top of John Gosden's mind. Um, normally, he hasn't had a run in since 2015. Um, he, oh, what the hell is that? <laughs> Going for a minute, I'll be back. All right, <laughs> yeah, he hasn't had a runner in it since 2015, and um, I mean, I wasn't 100% sure he was going to go for it anti post, but obviously, it's turned out that he has, so that's worked out well. He, um, but if you read sort of any sort of interviews they've done recently, this seems to have been the plan for a long time. Potentially, they've thought they're going to have the joint license. Maybe they want to start with a bang. And um, I've always, since looking at the times and the sectionals for his uh, last run at Doncaster, I've I've had Hakiki definitely on my mind for a for a big handicap. Um, obviously, off the mark of a hundred. His sectionals, um, if you compare them to. The I know you shouldn't really compare over different days, but it was only I think it was the next day on the same track, same same course and distance, obviously. Um, uh, the group uh, group two that Wichita run uh, won. His he missed totally missed the breaker, Kiki, and what he did um, from free out to the line was it was very impressive, and uh, I, I I was actually slightly concerned that he might have too much speed for a mile. Um, even though on pedigree you would, it should it shouldn't really be a question mark. He should get it fine. Um, he does stride like a like a seven furlong horse as well, but I I think he will get the mile. Um, but yeah, since he, when when I look back at those times that he did in comparison to Wichita and a few other group horses on the same uh, the same uh, the that Doncaster Ledger Festival. And the fact that he's only had, I think he's had five runs, he's won four. Clearly something was amiss at Newmarket when he came last. Uh, obviously put a line through that. Um, I think it's quite clear that this horse is going to be massively improving. It, it, it really wouldn't surprise me if this horse is running at sort of group three, group two races in the coming months. Um, yeah, obviously the price is totally gone now he's like favorite slash second favorite depending on your bookmaker but yeah and then obviously they've put the the boy benoit that i say on to take seven off and if he's as good as everyone thinks he is that could be an absolute gift on a horse that i would have been confident would has a good chance of winning this with any sort of jockey on really so so yeah um got quite a strong opinion on hakiki so is it a worry that they put a claimer on like if he's good enough, do they need to put a seven-pound claimer on? Um, from the vibes that you get from coming out of the Gosden Yard, is this this guy's been top nurtured by John Gosden. He's had him in the yard since he was fifteen, riding work, and they obviously think he's a bit of a special talent. Um, do you know what I mean similar similar when you had sort of Kieran Fallon Junior claiming or. Yeah. For a while, when Jason Watson was claiming five and he was winning big handicaps, if you if you're good enough, you're old enough. That kind of thing, isn't it? So he's been he's been like pony riding since he was 
don't know, young, like even younger lads. So and he seems pretty confident. He's obviously been riding some nice horses uh, for Gosden on the old weather over the winter. So. Mm. Fair enough. Um, the ones that I've backed in this, um, I backed Ascension. Um, it's Varian horse at Zerny on board. Obviously, Varian angle at Zerny, just very good at the track in general. Um, I don't know if that's an Zerny thing or a Varian thing, but um, yeah, he's very solid. Um, Eastern World, the Fav, the Golfing um, angle. Um, who else have I backed? Johan Haggis angle. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, there's a couple of other funky ones, but they're the they're the official ones going in. So it'd be Ascension, um, Eastern World with the Saver basically is the favourite, and then Johan for Haggis, the official system bet for this. Yeah, I think I do think it's a very, I think you think it's a very good Lincoln. I think you've got some some really nice uh, four year olds going forward. Um, Brunch, brunch is a decent horse. Uh, uh, I think Brentford Hope's gonna. He was the anti-post favourite for this. I, it's come up way too good ground for him, I think. Um, and he also got absolutely mullered for that victory where he didn't come off the bridle in a m- much weaker race than this. Um, Ascension's a good horse that you mentioned. Again, I think he would want it a little bit softer as well. Um, but yeah, I think I think a lot of winners will come out of this. It's interesting that King Otica has got the cheek pieces on first time. He mm. he is he's a horse that um, he keeps catching the eye. Um, caught the eye last time in the Balmoral. Caught the eye massively at Doncaster the time before that. But he's a really weird horse because he's by motivator, so you would just presume he's going to want a trip. But I think he's out of a sprinter. Um, obviously, they 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 were running. He's won over ten furlongs, so he's obviously can get ten furlongs, and that was at a good race as well. Um, he's been tried at group level, but I, I, this the way this horse strides, he strides like it's almost like sprinting strides. And he's and if you look at his sectionals in certain elements of the race, like so, if he's running an eight furlong race, his 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 um six furlong or seven furlongs, he always runs the fastest sectional of any horse in the race like it's it's mental i actually think he'd be a really good horse for the the victor uh for the uh victoria cup the seven furlong race at ascot but we'll see what they do but yeah he's he's he'll he'll, he'll catch the eye if he doesn't win he'll definitely catch the eye at some point um, yeah. he's a double qualifier for me because of the headgear but they're going from cheek pieces for the first time which is a bit of a weird switch like do you go down visor supposed to be more severe and you go down from visor to cheek pieces like what well, i don't know what they're doing there but he's also he's coming from new market so it's also some he's part. another he's another one as well that would want it softer mm. you know i mean obviously end of march you would expect it to be soft but it's it's just not is it so <laughs> um but yeah i think it's a very good race uh it's a Definitely, some winners winners will be coming out of this. Um, Dania is another one. Dania is actually in my tracker. I did actually have Dania in my tracker for this before I saw the entries and I saw Hakiki was in because I've, I've in my notes I've got Hakiki down as I think this is a group horse, like potential group horse. So, so yeah, so I jumped on it early. Nice. Um, we'll give the races a break. We'll do some more slide gizmos. Um. What do you uh, what, what do you know about kind of 
position or some people call it pace. It's not pace, it's position. What What is preferable position at Doncaster? Where Where would you want to be tactically? Um, well, I mean, you would say Doncaster, especially on the straight mile, you would want to be held up. Yeah. Well, good. Well done. Um, you would. General, well, actually, it's interesting. Pace and, no, sorry, not pace. Position. Position is a weird art. It's a dark art, basically, because there are two competing factors. There is the competing factor of basically just the best position to be in any horse race across the globe anywhere, which is at the front because it's physics. Be in front of people, you're probably going to beat more people home. And then there are the individual like quirks of tracks that like give in, like give play to biases and bring in biases to play. Um, I'll work through that in these next couple of slides. It'll sound like absolute nonsense, um, and it maybe is absolute nonsense, but hopefully some people get it that there is like an inherently better position to be in across every single horse race in the world. And then there are the specific kind of tactical compositions of certain races at certain tracks. But let's see. Maybe it makes sense. Maybe it just sounds like crap. Um, but, yeah, but, yeah, Donnie, um, I mean, I think people know it, but it's a big skew towards a more relative benefit to be held up than many other tracks. So let me put it this way, and I'm getting – I quite like this at the moment. What I try to do is I try to compare – so I use the rivals beaten squared trick, which is, again, rivals beaten squared <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a figure. Rivals beaten is better than wins because it goes all the way through the field, so it tells you about relative performance through all the levels and through all the positions rather than just wins, which is just binary. You either win or you lose. But if you're in a field of eight runners, you win or you lose. If you're in a field of 20 runners, you win or you lose. So rivals beating is better because it tells you, I mean, if you're fourth of 13, you've done a good job, better than you've, if you're fourth of sixth, for example. You've won races within races. But, right, rivals beating squared. Let's look at the Doncaster positional data versus the flat average across all flat and all weather tracks. And there you see that it's, generally a negative comparatively to be at the front of Doncaster or be prominent at Doncaster and then a significant benefit to be held up at Doncaster when compared to performance across all tracks. So if you're going to sit up, sit at the back or be held up at any track, you might as well do it at Doncaster rather than shed a load of others. It's basically the message I'm trying to get. But everyone knows that. But what I thought was interesting, so then I crunched it a little bit more. Where is this kind of this distinction basically versus the average performance at tracks for that positional data? Where is it more effective? And it's, oh, I mean, Tremor is exceptional. <laughs> I mean, do not front run Tremor is the, me the message, like horrific. Um, but Donnie would be ranked um, second out of all the flat tracks in terms of um, if you want to maximise your winning position or your rival's beaten position, hold up your horse at Donnie. Um, so, yeah, as you see there, it's 4.1% ahead of the track average in terms of taking a, a held-up position versus 
the the general performance across the entire track or the entire racing population. They see Ascot, good hold up track, Yarmouth, good hold up track, York, good hold up track. A lot a lot of stuff that we know basically. Um, and let me empathize. Uh, em- empathize. Emphasize. This is um. This is very much actually about like if you were the rider or the trainer trying to maximize your position. This isn't necessarily a betting angle, so we'll come on to the betting in a second, but this is tactically where would you want to be in races. Um, I did. I thought I'd crunch it, basically, the straight track versus the curved track. Um, I thought that was slightly interesting, that actually it's better to be at the front. You can still win from the front on the straight track, and that's maybe because there's inherent psychological thought that people think you need to be at the back but you can you can get an edge by leading on the straight track but being out the back or being held up certainly plays in to outperformance on the on the curved left hands of track as well so that was some stuff but then this is where it gets really funky so we're getting the betting um and this is the betting figures um <laughs> whether you want to lead or be held up or be midfield or be prominent or be tracking the lead. And I think you can just see quite a uh, clear distinction there. Now I have to say predicting the leader in horse racing is the worst. It's the hardest statistical challenge. People can do it. I can't do it because I'm shit at statistics. There's people like Tom Heslop at time form who have built better models about this than me. Um, But, if you can find the pre-race leader who's going to lead at Doncaster because people don't think that's a good angle, rightly so, because tactically it's good to be held up, kind of, comparatively to the rest of the races. But if you can find the leader at Donny, um, you've done all right. Back him on the exchange. Look at that. Big out, big out performance. So there you go. There's a pitch about... Run style at Donny. Wow. Wow. There you go. What to say about that? No. Um. I mean, I think I think um. With when you've got a, a straight mile, I think it's quite hard to lead that whole way because it's there's no break. So when you go, obviously, when you go around a bend you get that break, bit of break on the bend. So to go, to lead the whole way, especially if there's obviously a headwind or anything like that, it just makes it more difficult. Um, it's like cycling, isn't it? So you have the peloton. Yeah. When you, you know what I mean? If the person leading, that's why they keep swapping. It's just obviously, it's just naturally, must naturally be harder to lead um, than it is. But obviously then, as you were saying, it's, you get that advantage of you're already in front of rivals. So... Yeah, it's physics basically. It's basic physics. You're closer to the line, so exactly. yeah, le- less chance of trouble. But it, that's a it's, it's a it's a fantastic betting like conundrum or challenge. Like mm-hmm. as you say, like if you can find the leader, just back the leader all of the time. That's why Mike Johnson runs all of his horses out the front yeah. because across every single sample of races, if you front run, you probably do better. But um, anyway, three forty-five. The Camid Stakes is that six furlong? Anything like in that? Is that the last of the slides? No, no, no. There's many more. I'm just giving people a break. Like, uh, I'm worried we're going to go three hours on this podcast. 
I don't think we will be. I'll be getting, yeah. I'll be getting told off. Um, I actually think the three foot is quite interesting on the basis that it doesn't look that good a race, and obviously Brando, if you <coughs> Nahar was Not. the anti-post favorite for this. What was that? Kevin Ryan, shit. Well, exactly. Um, oh, Nahar's gone. Oh no. Yeah, Nahar's gone. So, okay. so I thought I was really clever, like midweek. I backed Naha. <laughs> well, I didn't back Naha, but I actually heard that William Haggis he was on at the races, and he said, "Oh, Naha's fifty-fifty to go for this." And, and, he, and he, the way he was talking, he sounded like he wasn't going to go for this. So I looked at the race, and I thought, I thought I'm going to take. I want to take on Brando. He's, you know I mean, he's a nine-year-old. Uh, rank. He's got the anchor on top. Tommy laying <laughs> him down. Yeah, he likes a bit of wet. Uh, he likes a bit of a soft ground. He he does throw up the, the occasional like amazing performance. So like, oh, he, he can be a freak. Yeah. So he was second, obviously. Um, uh, Ascot wasn't he behind Glenn Shield at eight, at eighty to one. So. <laughs> um, in the uh, in the champion sprint, but that was on soft. It says it was on soft ground. It was probably borderline heavy, to be fair, uh, if if not heavy anyway. Um, so yeah, he throws in the occasional outlier. So and and this is why ratings are deceptive. So his rating is one hundred and sixteen. And if you look at the other horses in this race, the next closest horse is Summerhand, who's one hundred and nine. So you would think, oh well, he's got seven pounds on him. He's free to one. I mean, this must be free money. And don't get me wrong, he might win, but that's that's he. I, before that, he was down to one hundred and seven before he ran in that uh, champions uh, sprint. Um, so yeah. Anyway, take on Brando. Um, it 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 tends to be a four-year-old that wins this. Unsurprisingly. Um, and I just thought, if you go through them, like Ainsdale, he's an absolute mudlark. He needs it heavy. Chief of Chiefs, yeah, great horse, but he's a handicapper. He's only rated 99. Emiratiana, right? Emiratiana was a horse that I thought might bounce back last year. I remember I wrote an article saying sprinters that might bounce back. I think we waxed lyrical about Emiratiana on this podcast last year. Yeah, I genuinely, I genuinely thought he'd come back. Um, obviously, he hasn't. He's only rated a hundred now. He has actually been gelded, and he's had a window. Um, so you never know. He could, he could um, sprout wings and find his guineas form from two years ago now. But yeah, as you say, it's Kevin Ryan, so slight right. negative. Right. Extraordinaire is rated seventy-eight. So just throw that out. I know you backed this one, Mr. Lupton. Lupton. <laughs> Mr. Lupton. I backed Lupton, yeah. Yeah, so he won this race before, actually, about two or three, or three years ago, maybe. Steve, Steve Ryder will be backing him. <laughs> but he's eight, year, eight years old now, um, so I, I can't be having him. Summerhand, yeah, great horse. Uh, he's probably in that in-between handicapper and sort of listed level, I would say. Yeah. Um. And he's a seven-year-old now. Like I don't know. I've never really been a fan. So are you back in the Dalglish and Rodriguez horse? No, I'm not back in a three-year-old in this. No chance. Why not? Unexplored. Three-year-olds have got a terrible. Which one? 
Nice. Free. Yeah, no worries. Nah, you don't have you don't do that in three old sprinters against all the horses. They got a bad record in this race as well. So yeah, I'm not on Geo whatever the hell that name is. And I'm not on Just Frank. And that leaves us with one horse. The Charlie Hills trained Royal Commando. Now it's more of a price thing than anything else. He's like six I think he's twenty to one in a place. And he was like sixteens general. Now this horse I actually was quite looking forward to this horse last year. I genuinely thought he was gonna kick on and be like a decent decent three year old sprinter. He was he was fourth in um group the Mill Reef as a two year old behind Pierre Lapin. Now I know Pierre Lapin was terrible last year, but he looked really good. Mystery Power, uh, Malatru was in there. Like, it was a decent race. And then he came out as a three-year-old, first first race up, and was fourth in the Commonwealth Cup. Obviously, that's a group one for three-year-olds. Golden Horde won it. Kimari for Wesley Ward was second. Like, you had Millisle in fifth. Um, Royal Crusades, a good horse. Lope, Lope Fernandez was further down the field. Like, it was a Mums Tipple and Pierre Lapin were in it. Um, he was 250 to one that day, so it was obviously a bit of a shock. But and then they tried him over seven furlongs, and he had just he doesn't want his his two runs up seven furlongs, uh, not bad, but just he's he's a sprinter. Um, he's by no way never he's out of a sprinter. He's a sprinter. Um, I think obviously Charlie Hills does well with his sprinters, Batash, Muraha, that kind of thing. And I just think this he's coming into it. He's a four-year-old. He's lightly raced. This does not look a great race at all. Um, I mean, friggin' hell, you've got a 78 rated horse in it, so there's one horse out the way already. And he was 20, he was 20 to 1 on Bet365 early in the day, he's still 20 to 1, 16s at Will, Liam, William Hill, and then 14s general. But you're getting three places, I don't know, man, I just think. I think back on some some better ground and back at six furlongs, I just think I think he's a decent outside bet. This does not look a good race at all to me, and it wouldn't surprise me if he was. It wouldn't surprise me if he won, but it, if it, I, I can see him easily hitting the frame. That race. Very nice. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Good. So that's the. Uh, um, there's actually an out for me in that. There's not. I fancy in that. Um, Four twenty. That's a maiden. That's brutal. It's a nice maiden, actually. Go on, then. Talk about the maiden. It's a really nice maiden. Quickly, talk about it quickly. Yeah, you've got Dushan for Haggis, who's really nice bread. But then you've got that um, Seven now, who's the Gosden horse, who's in my tracker. He ran a really nice race on debut, and he's obviously, he's, he's by Sea of the Stars. He's, um, I think he's a half-brother to fencing. Who Gosden also trained. The dam was a group one winner. It's all nice. Um, the boy, Benoit de la Sette's on it. So I, I, I generally think he might be. I don't know, Gosden's record in the mid is not great, but he looks nice. But then you've also got Gaia's full brother called, I don't know what to say, Kais, K H A I Z. So the full brother to Gaia. Um, and there's, there's a few other nice... So this is a really nice maiden. I think this is the maiden of Bangkok one two years ago, yeah. and Telecaster was second. So it's normally a good maiden. Um, 
yeah, I just think seven hours experience and obviously the seven pound claim. If uh, if uh, old Benoit's on a bit of a high from the Lincoln, fingers crossed. Um, I think he might be tough to beat. Regardless, bad record, bad record. Johnny G, Maiden's graveyard. But, but it'll be great to see Gaia's full brother and see what he's like because they normally there's the good awful ones. Actually, is it good awful? Yeah, 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 it is. Yeah, it's just not in blue for something. The golfing, <laughs> it's well, it's Dushan. yeah, Dushan or Monte Carlo Bay, Kai's. Uh, no, it's not the golfing, it's Sheikh Hamdin bin Mohammed Al Matoum. Um, uh, it's, it's yes, it's but it's Charlie Appleby, <laughs> so I don't know. Is it the golfing? I don't know what's going on there. It's an Appleby horse, so I don't know who it's owned by. Um, that's the guy that's just died, isn't it? Shake hand and been the owner of Godolphin. But it's not, but it's the colours are silver, not the blue. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, but yeah, full brothers a guy. So that's a really interesting maiden. I'd probably lean towards Johnny G's to be there, regardless. Of... Leave that one. Leave that one. Promise. Promise. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, and I haven't looked at the apprentice handicaps. Good, good. A few final slides to wrap us up. Then some more terrible stats. Raw positional benefit. RPB. What is what is raw positional benefit? It's an attempt to show the benefit of unadjusted early position in races by using percentage of rivals beaten squares. How can it help? Shows us the raw version of the best tactical position to take in a race to maximize percentage of rivals beaten. So what am I trying to do here is I'm trying to say, where should you be optimally tactically as a jockey in your position as a race in, in, in a race at this track? Um, this is the eight furlong picture. This is, a, and again, as I say, it's a, it's a bit mental. Where should you be at Doncaster over eight furlongs to maximise your percentage of rivals beaten? You should lead. So, I don't know if you want your, if you've got a fancy and you've got a, a jockey who you think is going to win. Um, to maximise your chance of winning, you want them to lead, basically. Um, now, that will contradict the next couple of slides when we look at it comparatively across all tracks where Doncaster is not a track for front runners, but that's because there is a fundamental truth in horse racing where it is better to lead than to be anywhere else. So there you go. And it's more out in the numbers because you can see you beat more rivals home, you win more races, you make more money on the Betfair Exchange. Um, there you go. There's the raw positional benefit um, for leading over six. Again, best strategy over six furlongs is to be from a high draw and to lead from a high draw. I always have this thing about Doncaster. I used to call it the flank strategy, where um, it's always better to be on the outer wings, either low or either high. And you generally see this in all the data. It's either better to be low or high and held up, or lower high and leading than being in the middle. Being in the middle is brutal, basically, at Doncaster. But what's interesting over six, so that's interesting for some of the other kind of like listed races and that, um, leading from a high draw is a good tactical 
strategy and can lead to outperformance and can lead to beating more rivals home. So then I come to a new metric called track adjusted position or TAP. What is TAP? TAP is an adjustment on raw positional benefit in comparison to that metric across all early positions across other tracks in flat and all weather racing. So basically I'm subtracting the difference between the fundamental and the natural bias in horse racing versus the performance on individual tracks. How could that be useful? It will tell you the bias between certain positions or certain tactics versus the general conventions of the general horse racing system. Um, and that's why I say then it just gets confusing because it just sounds like nonsense, but that's fine. But um, the track adjusted positional benefit at Doncaster is, as I said, it's generally bad to be held up. It's a terrible strategy, but if you're going to hold a horse up, do it at Doncaster and do it when you're drawn low because that's then going to maximize your chance of rivals beaten in the end um, or, or be slightly into midfield. So that is, that's over a mile. So there's a number of classic. If you want to go back and look at just search some James Doyle or some Jamie Spencer rides over a mile at Donny when the low drawn and they just took in. And then they're absolutely archetypal tactical rides where you can maximize that position at this track. And if you did that at many other tracks, you would not be able to do that. So. Um, then this is a weird quirk. And actually, then this might play into, again, leading, actually. And again, the P&L figures. But over six... Um, Leading from a high draw is the best strategy in terms of maximizing rivals beaten. Um, and again, from a punter perspective, maximizing profits. So again, if I'm a, I'm a trainer or I'm a jockey, I'm either playing with the fact that I can use the inherent benefit of being held up at Doncaster to maximize my chance, or I can use, basically it's just flipping it. It's like everyone thinks it's better to be held up at Doncaster but then it swings and becomes better to actually lead. So it's like the weird yin and the yang. Um, that's um, flat jockeys at Doncaster. Jane Elliott, very good. Yeah, great, 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 great. I think we've talked for a long time, and I've talked a lot about tactical crap. So, But keep an eye on where the jockeys are and where they win from over a mile and over six furlongs and see if that bears out. That's what I would say. You still there? Yeah. Exciting stuff. It's all very good stuff, Tom. Very interesting. I don't know if it's actually useful. It's interesting. I'm not sure I'm if it's actually, useful. I'm actually a little bit worried about the Kiki because he's drawn in 10. Which is in pretty middle. Much, Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Not a good draw. It, it, it was all going swimmingly. Yeah. Even, even all the mugs on Twitter weren't putting it up and... Like obviously, then he got it was I don't know it was all just going so well, and then he got that draw in ten. But if he's as good as potentially, I think he is. It shouldn't matter too much. But we'll see. I think there's quite a lot of hold of horses actually in the race, so I, there's not there isn't that much out and out pace in the Lincoln. 
and I think that'll suit Hakiki because he's very quick. Mm. Um, a slowly run race. Um, see, sometimes people get confused with all the slowly run race. If you kick from the front, you're going to win. But if you go so slow that the, play, the horse at the back, the naturally faster horse, will catch you in the end anyway. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Especially over a straight mile. Um, well, fast horse, fast horses win slowly run races, and slow yeah. horses win fastly run races. Yeah, that doesn't tell you actually where they are positionally. So yeah, you no. can have, again, you can have a, a fast horse who comes from the back and wins a slowly run race. I'm agreeing, yeah. Yeah. and that's what I think might happen. Yeah, just, I'm just looking at the pace map. That I'm might happen to Orca then, actually, if you say not because actually a seven furlong horse. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I mean, I backed him. What did I back him for? I might have backed him for the Balmoral. Can't remember. Um. Yeah. He. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Wouldn't surprise me. Same even pace, but I don't know. The thing is, a twenty-two runner handicap. Straight mile, first day of the flat season, they might get excited and go a bit quick. I don't know. It's hard to tell, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Good. Um, nap for the meeting, anything? Well, Hakiki. Hakiki, I think, is definitely a, a good shout. I mean, it was a great shout at 11, 12 to 1. It's not as good as a shout now at 7 to 2. But... Um, People who were listening to the Cheltenham podcast will have got tens. I think it was all tens at the time. So fingers crossed, there's a few people on. I do. I think. I think it's it's risk like it's risky, but I think if they have got acquitted back, I think he might be could be passable. Uh, yeah. So yeah, and then obviously Space Traveller and Royal Commando. Space more Space Traveller, but I think Royal Commando might. Might run well at big odds and interface. They're the only ones I've backed, so they're the ones I'm interested in. I do like I do like some of those shouts. Um, all Fahi horses in handicaps, all Varian horses, all Godolphin horses, all Haggis horses, all Brian Meehan horses. See you there. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? To be fair, William Haggis didn't sound very confident about your hand. From what I, from the interview I heard, he does not think he's a 105 horse right at the moment. But we'll see. Place money. As well, seven seven places. If you've got Sky Bet accounts, I'll tell you what. One one tip I'll say is, if you have got Sky Bet accounts, and if if you or if you can get hold of ones, um, they are seven places on the Spring Mile and seven places on the Lincoln. Just if you fancy a few horses, and I just get the each way doubles going. Because that is ridiculous. Seven places in both, so yeah. So yeah. good luck. Good luck. Good night. See you later.